Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. I'd love for you to stand right now. We're gonna to go to the reading of the word. We're gonna dive back into some more teaching and some worship here this morning. And here's a scripture we looked at last week. Let's look at it again, James chapter five. As we come to the end, and today is the conclusion of our extraordinary prayer series, at least for now. We may come back to it this year. Uh, but what a month it's been, guys. Today is the last day of our 21-day fast that many have been a part of. Today is the last day of our 24-7 prayer thing that we've been doing all week long. And did you know that somebody has been praying every hour since last midnight, or last Monday, midnight, for the last seven days in our church community? Uh, we might have missed one or two, I don't know, we, I, we might have covered them all, but, 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 but for the most part, We've covered them all, and there's actually one slot left today, one o'clock. Last I checked a couple hours ago. So if you wanna jump on and you wanna sign up for the one o'clock slot and get that, there's the last one available. That covers us for the rest of the day. That means we've prayed 24 hours around the clock for the last seven days. And guys, I believe that prayer moves the hand of God. And the word this morning was uh, culmination and that this isn't just the end, this is the beginning of God doing something new and releasing something new in your life and in our church. This is the beginning, something new. Because we've taken time to say, God, we want you more than anything else. We wanna pray and seek you more than anything else. And so today, we're gonna end our series, we're gonna talk about prayer and then we're gonna pray. Then we're gonna talk a little bit more about prayer, prayer and worship, then we're gonna do that. And then we're gonna talk about pray and we're going to do some more. Okay. So that's, that's the plan. That's where we're going here today. And I just want to say thank you to all of you that took some time to pray. I participated in the fast, um, but thank you for taking an hour or two or lots of hours this last week, especially those of you that took the early morning hours. You guys, you guys are amazing. And I just really believe that the spirit of God is doing something new, something new. You ready for something new in your life? You ready? Ready for new? Let's keep seeking God. Remember we talked about last week, this prayer doesn't stop today. James 5, are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? Encourage them to pray. Are there happy, cheerful ones among you? Encourage them to sing out their praises. Are there any sick among you? Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of our Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. And then pray for one another to be instantly healed. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayers of, God, of a godly believer. Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like all of us. 
But he prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut the heavens over the land so that there would be no rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again and the skies opened up over the land so that the rain came again and produced the harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for a little bit. And Tyrone robbed my, he had my notes up here. So <laughs> you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Were you wondering if I was going to make you stand the whole time? Maybe, possibly. Well, good morning. My name is Amy. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just really glad to be able to share with you. This is something I'm very passionate about. If you don't know me, um, now you know. Like, I love prayer, Um, and I love it because of what it's done in my life, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but um, let's talk some superheroes because Elijah was kind of a superhero, right? He had, like, crazy skills to shut the heavens and among other things like raise people from the dead um but we love superheroes right who do you love most spider-man or captain america thank you thank you but that doesn't help the purposes of my sermon just yet (laughs) okay team spider-man lift your hands oh it's lower than i thought okay down Team, my daughter is totally like Team Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, and I'm like, girl, girl. Okay, what about um, what about Captain America? Where is my Captain? Whoa, we have, wow, I'm missing a superhero. Is it the Hulk? I know that you love the Hulk because Tyrone's favorite superhero is the Hulk. Would you have guessed that? The Hulk is Tyrone's favorite superhero. In fact, Tyrone even had little whitey tidy underwears with the Hulk on it. Um, Do you guys love that the band is behind me this morning? All right, let's talk a little bit about if you were a superhero and had superpowers, because let's be real, you guys have all daydreamed that you've had superpowers before. Oh my gosh, y'all are liars. You all have daydreamed that you have had superpowers. I dream all the time that I can fly. Is that weird? Okay, but... If I had superpowers, I don't think I would forget that I have superpowers. Like, just all, I mean, how silly would that that be if Spider-Man just one day forgot that he was Spider-Man? And today I want to talk about, you have this superpower called prayer, and you forget about it all the time. We forget about it all the time. Tyrone quoted Billy Sunday last week, and I'm just going to paraphrase him a little bit. He says, prayer is the greatest power source known to human beings. And I'm not just saying that, I've experienced it. I love prayer because it has been a catalyst of life transformation, power in and also through me. Some of the craziest, most amazing experiences I've had in my life have come through prayer. But why is prayer so powerful? And we've talked a lot about how God expresses his plan for prayer in the Bible. And, I've, and we're going to talk a lot about that because I believe the Bible is the authority on prayer. But God also expresses his plan for prayer through our bodies. And science is just starting to catch up with scripture. Science is not against scripture. It actually confirms scripture. And it's craziness because honestly, scientists would say unintellectual people pray. But 
I'm going to talk to you about how that's the opposite. And I'm going to nerd out a little bit on you because I want to talk about, before I go into two, we're going to experience two forms of prayer, but I want to tell you two specific things that neurologists and neuroscientists have beginning to research the brain and they have seen begin to happen in the brain when you pray. In fact, did you know that the that your brain actually changes when you pray? The frontal lobe begins to light up. And the frontal lobe is like the decision-making part of your brain. And as you, and I'm not going to just say like pray flippantly, but as you intentionally, repeatedly pray, your intelligence grows. And that's because gamma waves, am I going over your heads? Okay, I'm, uh, gamma waves, I've broken this down really simply, but, but gamma waves are moving across in your brain and they're becoming more and more intense as you intentionally and specifically pray and it is increasing your intellect. If you didn't know this, gamma waves are the fastest moving waves across the brain. So when people or the world says that people who pray are unintelligent, can I just say, I know that they're wrong because we see what happens in the brain and intelligence also goes up. But what also is interesting, um, if you're familiar with the term glossolalia, which is another thing that the world feels like makes us look like idiots, aka speaking in tongues. Do you know what happens in the brain when you begin to speak in tongues? Something really amazing happens. Actually, your frontal lobe lights up and there becomes like an immediate spike in your frontal lobe, which is the decision-making part of your brain. And then it goes silent. Because you intentionally begin to pray. You make the choice to utilize this gift. And then the Holy Spirit takes over. The part of your brain that controls speech goes completely silent. Yet you're speaking. How crazy is that? I might post some videos about this so you can understand, but the part of your brain that begins to light up is the amygdala. And the amygdala is an important part of the brain. In fact, when you use the amygdala, you're beginning to increase wisdom and discernment. Guys, I'm not even talking scripture right here. I'm just talking science. How incredible is that? That just blows my mind. But today I want to focus on, good morning, little guys. I want to focus on two ways that we are going to pray. Because you know what? Praying, there are so many ways that you can pray. We can worship. We can meditate. We can talk to God. We can listen to God. We can pray in tongues. We can pray in the Spirit. There are so many ways. And we're going to talk about gratitude. And we're going to talk about worship. I know, they're so cute. But keep your eyes on me. Online people are like, what's going on? They're adorable little kids running around in the front. And they're just adorable. I think their mom, if you want to help somebody help their mom out a little bit so she's not on her own. But it doesn't. It's just a little distracting for me. Okay. But um, I want to talk about gratitude and thanksgiving this morning, Um, specifically gratitude. And I'm going to talk about it, and then we're going to act on it. But I want to talk to you about what gratitude and the benefits that researchers are finding that gratitude has in our lives. Because there are psychological benefits, there are social benefits, and there are physical benefits to gratitude. And I'm not just talking to any kind of gratitude, but when we thank God for what we've been given. Something happens inside of us. So psychologically, there's an increase in positive thoughts and emotions. Who could use an increase in positive thoughts and emotions? Yeah, me too. There's a greater sense of awareness and awakeness, which is funny because maybe you don't need caffeine. You just need some gratitude. I'm just saying, okay? 
This one blows me away. There's an increase in self-satisfaction. Man, one thing that I know that since the advent of social media, man, our self-satisfaction is on a low. Gratitude can change that in your life. And there's just a better mood in general. How many of you need a better mood in general? I know. They're like, this morning, right now, I need one. Okay? There are social benefits. And I'm just going to run through this quickly. There are social benefits. You're better at communicating. You have a higher amount of empathy. You're, you gain stronger interpersonal relationships at work and at home. And can I tell you, when you have gratitude, you're a better team member and people like you more. Gratitude does a lot. Now let's talk about physically because when we begin to be grateful, something happens in us physically, right? We get a stronger immune system. This is like hands down. These are, this is what research is showing us about gratitude. You get less body aches and pain when you're grateful. Say what? Okay. Um, you can achieve optimum blood pressure and cardiac function simply from gratitude. That is amazing. You get better sleep and wake cycles, and people who practice gratitude live longer. It's hands down across the board. This is what we're seeing. But we're going to look specifically at the brain right before we start experiencing this, because we are going to experience it, and it's going to be powerful. But what happens in the brain is so interesting. When we begin to tell God what we're grateful for, it wires, our brain begins to wire and fire. Our brain begins to wire and fire new neural connections to bliss. To bliss. Greater than any drug is gratitude. It fosters cognitive restructure by evoking positive thinking. Okay, whoa, maybe I said that too fast. It it means that your brain and the structure of your brain can change strip simply through gratitude. So if you think you're stuck, I'm going to tell you right now you're not stuck. Because research is showing that you don't have to be stuck. It reduces fear and anxiety by regulating the stress hormone. I don't know about you, but I need that stress hormone to come down. In other words, anxiety and gratitude do not like to coexist. So when you are struggling with anxiety, you are struggling to have gratitude. And that's not a conviction. What I want you to hear is that you have a weapon against anxiety. And I'm, man, this is free, but I'm going to go on a tangent because I, I have struggled with anxiety. Anxiety has been a spirit that has plagued me for years. I should be a person that is on medication right now. And I'm not dogging you because you are. Sometimes we need that to get over the hump. But I'm just telling you right now that you have a weapon against anxiety. And it is not a personality. It is not a personality disorder. It is not a life sentence. In fact, research shows that you can reduce anxiety and fear and eliminate it through gratitude. That's what it does in your brain. It enhances dopamine, last of all, and serotonin. So it's not just working out. You can get some dopamine going. You can get some thankfulness going. Some of you are like, I've been trying to work out to get that serotonin. It's not working. I got one thing for you that's super simple. Just start thinking about what you're grateful for. And you can experience that. And what is, just in case you don't know, dopamine and serotonin are the neurotransmitters responsible for what? Happiness. Guys, we are chasing happiness like there's no tomorrow. I love going to Disneyland, but man, I love vacations, but the next vacation is not going to give you sustainable happiness. Gratitude is. 
I love friendships and I love relationships, but that next friendship, that next love interest, that's not going to give you sustainable happiness. Gratitude with Jesus is. And so it's crazy because here we are talking about it. It's the simplest thing, but man, we don't do it. Man, we'd rather do the hard way. Man, 1 Thessalonians, we see Paul, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, if you're wondering if I'm going to bring scripture in, I just wanted to give you some science that's going to back up my scripture, okay? We appeal to you, actually, I'm going to skip forward because that's the full context, but it says, let joy be conti- uh, your continual feast. Let joy be your continual feast. God is saying you can feast on joy. And I'm going to show you how. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. This is how you can have joy, is what the word is saying. And it's crazy because it's totally backed up by science. Okay? For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. So we see not only that God has an intent for prayer in scripture, but we see that your body was designed for prayer. God has this plan right from the beginning where he's like, I want you to have joy. And here's how you're going to have it. You're going to have it when you connect to me. And you're going to have it when you have gratitude. And I'm just going to increase your bliss. It's kind of like, have you ever pushed a kid on a swing before? Right? You do a little push and they're like, especially if they're like slight, it's like, whoo. And you're like, don't push too hard. But you do a little push and then momentum takes over. That's what happens when we're grateful. We do a little push, a decision to say, thank you, God, for this. And then his Holy Spirit and how he created you takes over and he does the rest. Our little bit of effort and he's like, whoo, I'm going to give you more. It's incredible. But just because we have everything that we need doesn't mean that we use it, does it? We have to make a conscious decision to take that simple moment and say, thank you, Jesus. And if I'm being real this morning, guys, I don't just need that once a day. I need it three times a day, (laughs) four times a day. And we're going to practice it here in a minute. But I want to encourage you, guys, if all you're getting is your gratitude session here, you're going to be struggling with your joy throughout the week. You need it every day. It's the simplest thing. Take just two minutes of your day. Stop. Thank you, God for the breath in my lungs. Thank you, God, for my spouse. Man, I'm going to get on another little tangent. Dude, if you're frustrated with your spouse, take about 10 minutes and think of all the things you're grateful about them. I'm going to tell you what, your attitude towards your spouse is going to change. But I'll also say this, your attitude towards your job could change. Your attitude towards your children could change. Gratitude, it changes us. So can we take a moment and practice this? Just just five minutes, close your eyes. And I want you to use your mind and the images and the visual things in your mind to imagine five things that you were blessed with this year, this week, this month. Maybe God's protected you from COVID. Maybe you, you had a, shared a funny joke with a coworker and it just blessed you. Maybe The smile on your child's face this week was enough to just get you through. Maybe you're remembering something your spouse did for you. Maybe you're thinking of the sky and how beautiful it is and how grateful you are that God created it. I want you to just really sit in that and think about it. Not just say, thank you, God. It's lip service, but let's think about what he's done, what he's given. Have you been taken care of financially? 
Is there a roof over your head? Has He forgiven you? Set you free? Five things. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to practice this gratitude. If you're still thinking on it, that's okay. Let's get a change of posture. And those five things, I hope you have those five things in, our, in your brain. They're, the band's just going to play behind us. You can, again, close your eyes if you want to just shut out everybody. But let's get that gratitude outside of our body. You can mouth it. You can whisper it. You can shout it. But let's begin to say our gratitude. And it is great that we think our gratitude, but there is a greater power in the spiritual realm, not just in our brain, when we speak it out loud, when we declare it, when we say, God, I am so thankful for my children. I am so thankful for the breath in my lungs. I am so thankful that I'm able to preach this morning because I, Lord knows I've been struggling with asthma. He's beginning air in my lungs. So it's going to play. And I'm just going to let you get it out of your body. You can mouth it. You can whisper it. You can speak it. You can shout it. But all five things, let's tell him we're grateful for him. If you're online, you're not off the hook. I'm just saying, talk to Jesus. Tell him what you're grateful for this morning. thank you this morning that you have provided us a way to see real lasting transformation. God, we thank you for your goodness and your love and your mercy for all you've done in our lives. We choose to be grateful this morning. Help us to live from a place of gratitude so that we may feast on joy. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I hope that felt good to you this morning. Like I said, it's the simplest little thing, but there's this decision that we have to make to do it. Like, ain't nobody going to do it for you. I tell this to my kids all the time. I'm like, you're not three. I'm not putting your pants on you. You need to put your own pants on. And I think God is saying that too. We're, we're, we pray and we say, God, help me with joy. God, change my circumstance. He's like, I've given you everything you need. Would you just, would you just use it? Would you just use it? So let's talk about worship this morning. Uh, worship is a form of prayer. Worship is also something that we do it's as a lifestyle. Our work can become our worship, but I'm speaking more specifically when we worship and we sing songs of praise to God. 
That's the kind of worship that I'm talking about this morning. In fact, when we worshiped together, it was good, by the way. I'm just saying. BTW, it was really good. <laughs> they get louder. They're awesome, aren't they? Um, worship is incredible because not only do we begin to agree together, especially corporate worship, and I want to encourage you, if you think corporate worship isn't worth it, um, dude, you are wrong. You need corporate worship. You need private worship too. But corporate worship, we come together, we're declaring the same thing in unity. We're agreeing in our spirits. And something happens when we sing together, our actual heartbeats line up. Did you know that? Our actual heartbeats begin to line up when we begin to sing the same thing. And so not only are we declaring together in unity, and we're in our spirit agreeing together in unity, but our actual bodies are acting in unity. How cool is that? I mean, are y'all shocked by that? Did I just drop a truth bomb on you there? Okay, sorry about that. And I love that because Jesus is incredible. When he prays for us in John 17, 6, 24, he says, and I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through this message. You guys, me, us guys right? I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love that you love each you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have loved with for me that you have loved for me how cool is that guys this is why we need church now you don't just need Worship should not just be a one-time thing, and we'll get into that, but you need church. You need to worship together in unity, and there's something that powerful that happens when we worship together in unity. So I'm going to set us up for this a little bit because I need to give you some basic things about the brain as we talk about what the brain does during worship. And if you want more detailed information, I'm giving you very crude information. You can check out Dr. Caroline Leaf's book, Switch on Your Brain. I also have another article um, that breaks down a lot of studies on gratitude that I'll probably post. And you can check out our Facebook and uh, get that there. Um, but I'm gonna give you some very crude things. So here's, here's a very crude thing. Your mind which is your thoughts, your emotions, and your brain, your physical matter of your brain residing in your skull, they're separate. They're two separate things. And that's because you are an eternal being. So even when your body perishes, when you have given your life to Christ and made him your Lord, your body, your, the, your mind and emotions, that all goes to heaven. Your spirit goes to heaven. Are you guys listening to me? Are you guys like a little, woo? Okay, so here's the thing. Your mind, your thoughts can change your brain because your brain mirrors your thoughts, not the other way around. And that is what science is beginning to discover. The fact is that our thoughts actually have quantum energy. Quantum energy is what was used to create the world. Science, science, regardless of whether they believe in creationism, they will tell you it is quantum energy that created the world. 
We believe that it is God speaking that quantum energy into existence and that his voice has quantum energy that created the world. And so the same energy used to create the world, your thoughts have that same power. Your thoughts are creating things. And, you, and we know this a little bit, right? Because what we think actually comes out of our body. Okay? And I'm not just talking about like, oh, I thought I wanted to say hi to Judy, so I said hi to Judy. I'm talking about the thoughts I repeatedly have about Judy when she's not around, and then something happens, and then it pops out my mouth. That's what I'm talking about. Because your thoughts are creating something. And so whenever you react or you respond and you're like, oh, I don't know where that came from. I know where it came from. It came from the thoughts that you're building inside your mind that's affecting your brain. Okay? Because the brain mirrors the mind. So that's just a basic, basic thing. I want to go there. Um, and there are two zones that the brain can live in. Two. The fear zone or the love zone. You are created. You are wired. You are intended for the love zone. You were not created for the fear zone. So if you're living out of the fear zone, I got good news for you. Your body wasn't made for that. You are created for the love zone. And the reason we know this is because what happens when we live in the fear zone is our bodies start to really deteriorate. Sickness becomes something that we struggle with. Anxiety begins to plague us, right? We are not created for the fear zone. We know that because it ruins so much of our life. It just does, okay? And so we don't want to live in the fear zone and what creates the fear zone or gets us trapped in the fear zone is toxic thoughts. We all have them, okay? You don't need to hide them in the back closet, put your smile on, and pretend they don't exist. We all have them. We all struggle with them. But worship allows us to get into the love zone. And when we're in the love zone, worship creates an environment where new networks and networks in our brain can change and we can eliminate toxic thoughts. I'm going to just say that one more time. Worship allows us to get in the love zone. It creates an environment where the networks of our brain can change, eliminating toxic thoughts. I don't know. I'm not the only one excited about this. Okay, I'm just saying. Okay, these toxic thoughts are keeping us prisoners in the fear zone. How many of you guys ready to get out of the fear zone? Come on. Acts 16, 25 through 30, we look at Paul and Silas, and physically they're in jail. Some of y'all are spiritually in jail, mentally in jail, emotionally in jail. And I really believe that this scripture is not just intended to tell you about the power of God. It's intended to tell you about the power of God to deliver you from toxic thoughts. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison, and all at once, every prison door flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. You know what's interesting? They did not wait till they felt like worshiping. They did not wait till... They did not wait till their circumstances provided a wonderful atmosphere of worship with the lights dimmed and this awesome band behind them. No, they worshiped when they were in prison. And some of y'all, you're in prison. And it is time for you to start worshiping again and for the doors of the jail that your mind is in to fling open for the chains that are binding you from being truly who God created you to be. 
get free. And I'm not just talking in person. I'm talking to you online. I'm just saying. It is time for you to get out of the jail that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to be freed from. And for you to know that your worship has power. You know what else is crazy? Paul and Silas, they worship him. They get free. And you know what? Everybody around them gets free. What if your worship can transform someone else's life? I'm just saying. Sorry, Tyrone. I'm getting really... I'm getting really crazy right here. Guys, we're going to stand and worship. Let's stand and worship. We're going to go into the song. And I want to encourage you, don't lip sync this. Close your eyes if you're distracted. And I want you to really, if, if you need to not sing just so that your heart is worshiping. If you need to kneel on the ground. If you need to come forward and you're like, I don't feel like it. I'm in prison, but I am choosing to worship. Because I know that God created worship for me to get out of the fear zone. God doesn't want us to wait till we live in the, the love zone to worship. And that's a lie from the enemy. We think we got to have our life together. We think we got to be feeling good to praise God. No, he wants you to worship in the fear zone. Because he knows that when you worship in the fear zone, you get delivered from it. You close your eyes in this room. Man, and I know some of you, maybe you're not very far in your journey with Jesus and you've not maybe even started it. I want to encourage you to try me in this. Begin to worship and see that it doesn't change your heart. Even if you're not ready to accept Him yet, I dare you to try worshiping and see that the chains don't fall off. Guys, this is not. We're going to go into worship in a minute. I want you to keep your eyes closed, but this is not coming from someone with a perfect life, just so you know. This is coming from someone who has watched a member in my family die tragically and quite terribly every five years of my life till I was 15. This is coming from a person that is stricken with panic attacks, that was stricken with anxiety. But then God... And I'm not saying my life is perfect now. I'm telling you, the enemy comes back and he tries to destroy me. He came back this year with depression and I'm telling you, my worship destroyed it. And there's no perfect action. We're not jumping through hoops. Guys, you are, what you're doing is you're just getting into the love zone where you can receive all that God has for you. So I just dare you to try this. you're enjoying this moment here and you're getting a lot out of this time and and this interactive experience that pastor amy's leading us in i'd encourage you if you haven't yet join her for the prayer lab on wednesday nights at seven o'clock as they do things like this and you want to grow and develop your prayer life you want to learn how to hear god's voice you want to learn how he can use you and the gifts that he's given you Wednesday nights for the next seven weeks is the place I would encourage you to be at that prayer lab. It's in the youth center right out, right over here, right where Spanish church is meeting right now. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? You know, our mission here at Rivers Church is to love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. 
want to love people and lead others to him, those are the, the two end statements. Those can typically make the most sense to us mentally. Like, I get that. I understand that. The whole live like Jesus thing, that can be the one that's most difficult for people to understand. What does it mean to live like Jesus? It sounds, it's very general. Uh, there's, there's a lot to that one simple statement. To live like Jesus, what does it mean? And I think in Luke chapter four, we get a key into what it means to live like Jesus. Now, I think it's important for us to make sure we're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, so that we get familiar with who Jesus is and his life and the things that he taught so that we don't just know him and his teachings, but we, we get to uh, walk in obedience to his teachings so that we can live like him. So, but right here in, in Luke chapter four, there's two verses that really give us the key that kind of hone in, I would say, the focus of what it means to live like Jesus. Verse one, Luke chapter four, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Jesus lived his life full of the Spirit and he was led by the Spirit. And then in verse 14, you jump all the way. Jesus goes through the time of temptation from the devil. He's pr uh, praying and fasting for 40 days, 40 nights there. And at the end, verse 14 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now, we looked at this in depth just a few weeks ago as a part of our prayer series. But I just wanted just to bring this focus back again because this is the goal. As you and I are followers of Jesus, we're Christians. If, we, if I've already said yes to Jesus, I've committed to following him, I'm a Christian, which means a little Christ. I'm trying to live like him the best that I possibly can. What does that mean? It means that I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm led by the Spirit, and I'm walking in the power of the Spirit. This is the goal of the Christian life, to be filled with the Spirit every single day. He's been doing that today already for us. But tomorrow, it's important we have this again. Holy Spirit, fill me again today. I need you to fill me completely holy again today. Would you lead me, Holy Spirit? I want to walk in your power today, not just in my power. This is the goal for us as his followers. So it's important that we make that a focus every day and we just grow in our awareness of the Spirit who is alive and working in our life and learning to recognize his voice and, and hearing from him. I believe that the Spirit wants to speak to you. I believe there's going to be moments where the Spirit will prompt you and nudge you to do something, to say something. I want to read a story here found in Acts chapter 8. Feel free to go there. It's a really cool story about how the Spirit spoke to Philip to do something. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. Everybody say ran. That's like he immediately responds. He ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter 
And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Can I just say that the greatest privilege you and I could ever have in life is to tell somebody the good news about Jesus. Because it's the good news of Jesus that changes people's lives for eternity. The good news, the gospel is all about Jesus. The fact that he went to the cross and died for our sins, went to a place of death. We deserved that death and he did that for us. And then he rose from the dead, proven that he is God. He reconciled our relationship back to creator. Sin separated us. Jesus reconciled us back and we can have relationship with the God who created us and loves us and wants to be close to us. That's the greatest news we could ever share with somebody. Now we all listen to news. We all have our different likes in regards to news and all that kind of stuff. But there's a good news that everybody needs to hear about. It's the good news about Jesus. And so Philip is sharing with this Ethiopian eunuch the good news of Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Obviously, Philip talked about when you become a believer, hey, here's the next step. Go public with your faith and get baptized in water. Jesus did it. He asked us to do it. So they, they come across some water and the eunuch's like, hey, let's do it now. Verse 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea, which is where we see him years later towards the end of the book of Acts. A couple of things that stand out here. Philip is having an incredible ministry and is seeing lots of people saved and healings. And, and, and God comes and speaks to Philip and says, leave the crowds. I want you to go out on this road all by yourself. That road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, go ahead on that road. God doesn't tell Philip what he's going to do next or what's going to happen. He just says, go on the road, which is how God often works. Here's your next step. Okay, that's great, God. But then what? But then what? Okay, God, can you just kind of tell me that after that and then after that? Can you just kind of give me the full picture so I just understand what's going on here? And oftentimes God's like, here's what I'm asking you to do next. And if we trust him and take that step of faith and obedience, then God will show us what's next after that. And so Philip obeys. He leaves the crowds. He leaves the revival to go to, the, to this road. And then he's on this road. He sees this Ethiopian eunuch, this, this chariot. And the spirit spoke in that moment. The spirit spoke. And notice what he said. He said, go up next to that chariot and stand near it. Didn't say to say anything. Didn't tell him anything else to do. The spirit spoke, go up near that chariot and stand by it. Again, not a full picture, not understanding of then do this and then do this and then do this. Okay. It's just one simple step of faith that requires an act of obedience. So what does Philip do? He doesn't argue with God. Are you sure it's that chariot? 
Maybe it's another chariot that's coming in a few hours. Maybe I'll just wait for that chariot. Is that, that's probably what you're thinking. Maybe tomorrow, God, tomorrow if I see that chariot, then I'll know you want me to go and stand next to that and talk to that person. You know, you know how sometimes we can wrestle with God and kind of like, we can kind of, can, we can talk ourselves out of obeying God. Philip ran. He didn't even know what's going on. He's just obeying the spirit, ran to the chariot and stands next to it. And God sets him up here. Like, this is awesome when this happens. The guy happens to be reading from scripture. So Philip's like, wow. And so he just asked the next obvious question that came to his mind. Do you understand what you're reading? And it opened a door for Philip to share the gospel and to see somebody's life changed by the power of Jesus. But think about this. What if Philip had said no? What if Philip hadn't responded in that moment? One person would have missed out on salvation. But I think not just one person, but a lot of people. Because this was a very important man, a very important official in the country of Ethiopia. Did you know that throughout the centuries, Ethiopian has been known to have a strong group of Christians in that country throughout the centuries, leading back to this time where God could have easily used this one man to bring the gospel back to this country of Ethiopia and a church began to grow in Ethiopia, that through the centuries there's been a church in Ethiopia, maybe because one person listened to the Spirit, prompt him and said, yes, I'll obey. You never know how God's going to use you in these simple little moments. Our job is just to listen and obey. And I believe the Spirit wants to prompt us and nudge us throughout our days. We've got to be ready to listen and respond and obey. I think it would be cool if you and I make this decision. Let's make a decision right now. Let's determine that we're going to live a life empowered by the, remember we talked about this, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and walking in the power of the Spirit. So let's determine to live a life that is only explainable by the power of the Holy Spirit walking through you, working through you. And here's why I say that. I think too many Believers live a life that's explainable without the Holy Spirit. But what if people look at us? What if you even like, man, I, I can't even explain what just happened. All I can say is God. That was a God moment. That was a God. God used me. And I didn't, I just felt this, just did this. Like I, it was not me. I, I just pray that you and I would have moments like that, that cannot be explained except the Holy Spirit is working through our life. That's my prayer for you and I. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.